Here, we believe in inspiration, passion, deep feeling, and connection. Here, we believe in sacred paradox and wild healing. Here, we believe that life itself is a spiritual practice and that our humanness is holy. Here, we laugh, cry, ponder, meditate, and keep finding new ways to make every day magical while embodying our deepest longings. I am Rebecca Faith Pewterbaugh, and you are listening to the Wild Intuitive Podcast. Good afternoon and welcome back to the Wild Intuitive Podcast. I'm so happy to be back with you making this recording. You know, it was kind of um it was kind of a tough few weeks for me and um it took a lot for me to keep showing up and doing these episodes and I'm so glad that I continued because um it's such a wonderful experience. Um being the host of this podcast and I'm just very grateful um, for everybody who takes the time to listen and shows up with me week after week and I just really appreciate you guys and um, you may have noticed that I have a new intro now. This is because the focus of um, where I'm taking the Wild Intuitive as a podcast and as an eventual business is kind of shifting um, focus a little bit. Uh, There is still going to be plenty of holistic integrated witchcraft in there um, for busy people with busy lives as my previous intro said um, we're still going to have some stuff about stress reduction achieving dreams making everyday magical etc however my vision for the wild intuitive just feels um, so much bigger than that uh that simple little line and so I wanted to change the intro to really reflect that I am really wanting this to be a sacred space of connection and um, beauty and holiness and just really have it be a space where we can explore and learn together and just breathe deep just breathe deep On that note, I would love to begin this episode with, um, with some deep breaths with you guys. I'd love to take just three deep breaths. So wherever you are, wherever you are, whatever you're doing, just focus on your breath with me. We're going to take three nice deep breaths, holding it at the top for just a couple of seconds.
Thank you all for that. I'm sitting here on my bed. The sun is streaming through my window, lighting up the plants in front of it. I have an altar in front of me. I created especially for this episode. Incense is burning, and just before I hit record, I pulled us a card. This card is for everybody who happens to be listening to this podcast. It is for you, wherever you are, whatever day you're listening, this is for you. This card comes from the Renegade Mama's Women's Affirmation Deck. And the affirmation today is, I meet daily life with a light heart and a sense of humor. I feel like it's a perfect card for what I want to talk about today. What I want to talk to about today is something that I've been, um, really a story that I've been creeping up on a little bit. Um, I'm sure, you know, some people may have wondered why I put the reduced stress part in there, um, in my little tagline about the wild intuitive in the previous intro and on my blog. And that really comes from an experience that I have struggled with for many years. And it is, it's just one of my personal stories, I suppose you could say. It's just, it's, we all have, we all have many stories. We all have a story for a different part of our lives and they are all encompassed in the overarching story that is our lives and human life and the experience of being in this world in this universe and so the story I'm going to tell you is my story related to stress and why Stress reduction is such a big focus for me in my life. And this is not a scripted story. I did not write this down. I'm not going to be reading off of a page. Um, This is really, I'm just going to share from my heart um, my story about stress. In it, you might learn some things about me that might be surprising but it is all relevant, I promise. Um, And it really does all culminate with me having this goal, intention of meeting daily life with a light heart and a sense of humor. So my story begins... My story begins years ago. Years ago. Um... I was 19. I had just moved to Maui with a boyfriend of mine at the time. And really, if we want to go back far enough, my story starts much longer. But we're going to keep uh, keep the details of my story uh, um, relevant only to the stress reduction part of it. <laughs> So my my struggle with stress started um, when I was living in Maui. Um, like I said, I had just moved there 
with a boyfriend of mine at the time. He was actually a commercial fisherman in Alaska, and so he was only in Maui with me for a short period of time before he went back to uh, to uh, to work on the commercial fishing boats. So I was there alone. Um, I got a job, and I was meeting people. I was having a lot of fun being in this new environment. I felt very, I don't want to say comfortable, but I was, I've, I felt very much from the first moment I went to Maui, I felt very much like living there was important to my personal growth, but I didn't yet know how true that would be. After just a few months in Maui, I ended up meeting a man who, long story, very long story short, um, very, very long story short, um, he was an alcoholic, a heroin addict, and a diagnosed sociopath. Um, And so, you know, all of that right there should have had me running, screaming for the hills. But um, because of some of my own stuff, some of my own baggage, um, as well as uh, a certain lack of experience in the world, I, um, you know, he really saw, must have seen, you know, my vulnerability and my in the ways in which I was innocent. And so he really, he latched on to me and long story short, I ended up homeless living in my car with him. And, um, I was living like that with him for a number of months. And during those months, I experienced a very strange bodily reaction, um, that I couldn't really figure out. Um, I was waking up every single morning very, very nauseous, uh, just sick to my stomach, um, not to the point of actually throwing up, but just feeling very, very sick to my stomach and woozy. It was like that every single day. And um, while I was living in my car with him, I was very, I was very uh, shut down in a number of ways. And I realize now in retrospect that I was very much in survival mode. Um, and so I didn't realize at the time that it was really my body trying to communicate with me. Um, because, because I was so deeply in survival mode, I didn't have any connection to my intuition. I didn't, um, I wasn't thinking about how awful my situation was and how I could get out of it. I was just trying to survive the day to day. And so when my intuition couldn't get through to me, my body really started trying to get through to me. And when I finally uh, extracted myself from this man, um, and, uh, for, for a variety of reasons and factors, um, I finally extracted myself from him and, uh, those weird bodily reactions, um, went away pretty much straight away. Unfortunately, not long after, um, not long after the place that I was staying in at the time, I was doing kind of a work trade type of thing at a local hostel, um, ho- ho- hostel, hostel, I, I never quite know how to pronounce that, um, 
the management changed and uh, just for a variety of reasons regarding um, related to that, I decided to leave. Um, and part of my decision to leave and how I decided to leave was really connected with um, the fact that in the couple of months following me getting away from this um, really quite toxic, abusive type relationship um, was related... I just lost my train of thought. So the couple of months that I, after I had extracted myself from that man, um, I started really hanging out a lot with kind of the backpacker hippie type crowd. And so I started hanging out with them. Um, and, uh, when management changed up this hostel, I decided to, um, get rid of my car, um, get rid of most of my stuff and just, um, kind of, my plan was to live out of my backpack, um, you know, like I quit my job, I was gonna, I was planning to just, you know, bum around the island for a month before, uh, getting a plane ticket to somewhere else. I was thinking Bali, you know, some, some sort of Southeast Asia thing. I wanted to start pursuing my dreams of world travel. Um, but then I ended up meeting somebody, uh, uh, who ended up becoming my boyfriend. Um, and so I stayed. Um, but unfortunately we were still homeless. It wasn't quite like it was with the other man. Um, it was very much, you know, the happy hippie type homeless, uh, traveling around, having adventures, um, kind of thing, but it was still very, very stressful. And so, and, um, while all of that was happening, I started experiencing a very strange thing um, on a fairly regular basis. I started having these sudden onsets of lightheadedness, um, just kind of this dizziness, and my body would ache, and I would I would get a fever, and then when those things would go away, um, I would break out in hives, in itchy um, uh, hives that were, were, they were big splotches, raised splotches. Um, it was very, very unpleasant. Um, and it really freaked me out at first. I thought it was some sort of allergy. I got, te I went and got like allergy tests. I couldn't figure out what it was. Um, six months into the relationship, I got pregnant. And so, um, y you know, props to the father. He, you know, he, uh, really stepped it up right from the get go, trying to find us ho housing and getting a job and all of that. And he, he really took responsibility. It was really, very wonderful. Um, uh, but, um, but the combination of being homeless, um, essentially homeless or, you know, bouncing from one living situation to another, um, and pregnant, uh, you know, with all of the hormones that that comes with, as well as still dealing with the emotional trauma fallout of that, um, abusive relationship that I was in. Um, uh, it, I kept getting this strange, strange reaction and, it really wasn't until after I had my daughter and we were living in Alaska that I started getting an inkling that it wasn't an allergy thing at all. I still wasn't totally sure what it was, um, but I could tell that it was connected somehow um, to my emotional state. Um, we lived in 
Alaska for about a year and a half. During that time, I didn't get the reaction very often. Um, it, it was really very rarely that I got it up there. Uh, I was fairly healthy while my daughter was a baby. I um, was vegan for a long time. Um, I wasn't drinking, obviously, because I was breastfeeding, etc., etc. Then we um, we moved to Oregon and lived in a farm community for a year. And it was while we were living there, um, the last kind of the last six months we were living there, that I started getting the reaction again. And this time. I really, I really started making the connection between it and my stress levels because during the same time that I really started getting them a lot again, um, him and I's relationship was, uh, my daughter's father's relationship and, um, my relationship with him was starting to fall apart. And then, you know, eventually we decided to break up. I had to move out, get a new place to live. Um, and after I moved out, uh, it was like all of the, all, all of the wounds that, um, I had kept buried for years. Um, all, you know, uh, not just, I mean, stuff, trauma from, from being homeless, from being with that man, with, from, uh, I mean, even as far back as, you know, my childhood, really things that I'd kept buried for years just kept coming up and coming up and coming up. And I found myself drinking a lot and, um, and really not eating very healthily and, um, just really kind of barely keeping it together, keeping it together just enough to take care of my daughter, um, you know, being a good mom and, and keeping holding down a job and everything. So I was still holding things together, but emotionally it felt like I was falling apart for, for a very long time. And every time I felt like things were getting better, something else would happen and I would go off the deep end again and I would get the hives again. And it was just an awful process circling and circling and circling and, um, and by then I knew that, um, that it was definitely related to stress. And, um, I started realizing that it was related to my diet as well, but I still hadn't made all of the connections yet because I was just so deep in my, in my trauma and in processing that trauma, not always in healthy ways. And weirdly, it wasn't until real at the end of, at the end of 2019, the beginning of December, 2019, um, the friend that I, the best friend that I've had since I was four years old, um, passed away and she, the circumstances related to her death were very, very tragic and sad. And, um, in a strange way, in a strange way, it was the last straw for me. Um, 
and not in a going off the deep end kind of way, but it, the grief I experienced after she passed, um, God, see, I'm trying not to cry now. <laughs> I can't talk about it without crying. Um, the, the grief process I went through afterwards really, it was like I had been emotionally flailing, emotionally and spiritually flailing around for eight years. Um, and when she died, it was like, first I cried for weeks and, um, got my hives and everything because of how emotionally stressed out I was. And, and after crying for weeks, I realized I can't keep going like this. Not just in terms of grief. I, I, I knew that I would have the grief. And I would probably always have the grief. But in terms of the emotional and spiritual flailing, I knew I couldn't go on. I couldn't keep feeling like I could never hold myself together. And so that really... That began a year-long process of me beginning to excavate my inner self. Um, I really, it started with writing a poem a day for the whole month of January 2019. I'm sorry, she died end of 2018. Got the dates wrong there, end of 2018 still getting it, getting used to it being 2020. Um, <laughs> but, um, you know, she, it started off with me doing a whole month of writing a poem every single day. That's really where it started. And as well as starting to learn how to, I started learning how to say what I was feeling without apologizing for it. And, I feel like it's a very, it would be, make this podcast episode far too long um, to really talk about all of the ways in which I excavated my inner self um, over the course of last year. But among the biggest realizations that I had was that was that there's meaning to everything. And that hardship doesn't have to mean breaking down. It can mean breaking open. And it was such a beautiful thing to realize. And I made so many decisions and realizations last year um, that really helped change my life for the better. And I went from having those hives on a regular basis to barely having them at all, um, ever. And a big part of that has been a big part of that really, you know, the first part has been my diet. I really, um, made an effort to change how I treated my body 
you know, I stopped, um, I stopped drinking, not completely. I'm not, um, you know, I'm not an AA or anything like that, but I don't have more than one or two drinks a month now. I, um, I really cleaned up my diet in terms of how much sugar I consume as well. And, um, and I ended up finding out through a friend who started, um, having similar reactions and she really, um, she really dug deep, um, into research, figuring out what it was. And she ended up being the one to inform me that it is, um, something called a histamine intolerance, which it starts, um, the gist of it, you know, without getting into all the complexities is that it's rooted in, um, in trauma. So it's very, having a histamine intolerance is very common among people who have PTSD, who've been through traumatic experiences or who have chronic illnesses so that their bodies are, you know, under a lot of stress, um, all the time. So it's really common among people like that. And basically what happens is that you become intolerant to the histamine in your body in, in different foods and different things can trigger the release of histamine. So your body releases histamine when say like a bee stings you, it releases that histamine to like fight off, fight it off, kind of fight off the poisons and all that. Um, uh, and um, different types of food can release histamine as well. Alcohol and sugar being a top two, and so um, and so even though it's rooted in trauma, the the intolerance is rooted in trauma. It's exacerbated by diet, and um, and it can actually be greatly reduced or completely gotten rid of. Um, via change in diet, which is really cool. But another big part of me greatly reducing my, uh, my hives experience, my stress hives experience has really been, um, changing my life. I, I made a lot of changes in my life last year. I, you know, I, I, I left um, the job, the soul sucking job that I was in and got another job that, you know, from the outside looking in my current job may not seem amazing or anything, but for me, it's just a humongous improvement, um, because it's such a healthy work environment. I work with such wonderful people and, um, and I'm doing something that, I, that I feel like I'm really doing something important in the world and making a difference in people's lives. And, um, and it's just, it's, it's a really, really wonderful feeling. And, um, I got rid of so many, <laughs> I guess in terms of number, it's not that many, but, but I really, you know, last year, the interesting thing about grief, there's certain things in life that really shows you who your true friends are. One of them's having children. <laughs> having children really shows you who your real friends are. Um, another one of them is pursuing your dreams. You know, your real friends are going to be right there with you, even if they don't totally understand why you're doing what you're doing. They're going to support you. Um, and, 
and and following the I'm going to include healing under that too because if you are working on yourself and working on healing and self-improvement that's really going to show you who your real friends are too because um the people who aren't your real friends they're going to not like you changing they're not going to like that they're going to be they're they're really going to criticize you a lot so that's a big one and another really big one is the grief process the grief process will show you who gives a shit the people who give a shit they're gonna you know they're not just gonna go oh i'm so sorry that happened poor you and then scurry off and pretend like nothing happened or whatever you know and you know they're the the people who really are your real friends they're gonna they're gonna want to be there for you and even if they don't always know what to say or what to do they're they're gonna check in with you they're gonna they're gonna um do what they can to help you out you know they're gonna they're gonna make some sort of effort even if even if maybe initially you know because grief can feel very lonely and you know there were times especially in the beginning when people would be when my very good friends would be like do you need anything do you want me to come over you want me to make you dinner um there were times when i just wanted to be left alone but um but the friends that did that for me who reached out to me and made those offers even when i didn't accept the offers and they kept making the offers even when i didn't accept the offers i mean those people are the people that I am so grateful for because they're still in my life today. A year, over a year since my lifelong best friend died and the people that are still in my life are the people who saw my grief and refused to look away. And I am just so grateful them to them from the bottom of my heart but the way that this relates to stress I promise this really relates is that, is that when you have people in your life who do not truly appreciate you and appreciate your time and appreciate your energy and really see you for the very complex multifaceted being that you are people who don't show up for the friendship even when it's tough even when you're not in the best mood even when you're struggling people who do that are a huge suck on your time and energy and they are i think <laughs> bad friendships are the worst energy suck and time suck and they put so much stress on our lives so much stress because instead of our time and our energy and our thoughts and our feelings going towards friendships that are lift us up and help us grow and going to dreams um that excite us and live in us and inspire us and going and going into into healing that you know healing our inner child wounds and our relationship wounds and our money wounds and all of these different wounds that that live inside of us you know if if we're not putting our energy towards those things those types of things if we're putting all of that energy instead on people who don't really care about us 
Like, of course we're stressed out. Of course we're stressed out. Of course we're exhausted all the time. Of course we feel like we don't have the time or the energy or the, the headspace to do things like, you know, like make a, like cook a healthy meal in our own kitchen or even like sit down and just meditate and breathe for five minutes. It's like if we are so concerned all the time about who's around us, then of course we're stressed out. And so like that was a big part of my journey last year was really realizing who's worth keeping in my life. Um, and, and, I, I learned, I really, really learned how important that is last year. And the thing is, the people that I cut out of my life, I don't hate them. I don't resent them. I'm not even really angry at them. I, when I sit here and I think about them, I honestly hope that they are living their best lives and that they are so happy and fulfilled and surrounded by loving, supportive people. I, I really hope that for them. And if any of them happen to come across this podcast, you know who you are. I have, I, I hold no hate or grudges in my heart for them. Um, because it's a two-way street and if a friendship or a relationship is stressful on me it's probably stressful on them too and really what it comes down to is like none of us deserve to have anything less than the very best friendships and the very best relationships for us individually like we are all so deserving of that and we just, we're just also deserving of that. And so I am so grateful that I cut out those people in my life. And I honestly hope that those people that I cut out of my life, I hope they're grateful that all of that happened too, even if it wasn't fun, even if it sucked, you know, like I hope that they're grateful it happened too, because maybe now their lives are better. Maybe now they, their time and energy are going into things that light them up, you know, because we're not all meant to be in our each other's lives forever the people who are meant to be in our lives forever have earned the right to be there they the people who are in our lives forever should have earned their right to be there and only we can decide who fits that criteria um and so that's a big part of stress reduction you know is is just really looking at the people that are in your life um you know, like, do they lift you up? Do they support you? You know, like when you're struggling or upset, do they, do they want to help you? Like if you guys get into conflict, like, do they want to resolve that conflict? Are they open to talking about it? Even if it's uncomfortable, even if it's awkward, even if it's hard, do they know how to apologize? Do they know how to create healthy boundaries for themselves? Like do do you have fun when you're with each other? You know, it's like, these are the questions that we need to ask ourselves because our relationships, like we are the sum of the five people we are surround ourselves most with. And so if we want to live peaceful, happy lives, if we want to meet daily life with a light heart and a sense of humor, like, yes, there's a certain, to a certain extent, 
we have to create that feeling, that energy within ourselves. And, and you know, that's, that's a work that no one can do for us but us. But the people we surround ourselves with is such a key factor in that because there's only so much work we can do ourselves. The fact is that we live in a world that is interdependent. We are connected to everybody and everything around us and if you don't have supportive people in your life right now then uh, I mean you still have connections you have connections to nature you have connections to you know your spirit guides and your guardian angels you have connections to you know, I, I guarantee you have a community and you might not just be considering that they're your community. You know, they're the people that you see at the same cafe or store every single week. The, you know, the people that you see at work that you have a community. And there's also communities out there that are waiting for you to be part of it. Like if you don't have these supportive, amazing, awesome people in your life right now and you're not currently capable of, for whatever reason, safety reasons, financial reasons, whatever, of cutting out these other toxic people in your life. If you're not capable of that right now, reach out to the people that you do want to connect with. You know, it's like you can, you can connect with the healthy, beautiful, wonderful, supportive people before you do the cutting out. Like that is a hundred percent, a totally possible thing. One of like some of my very closest friends right now, I met while I was in the depths of of, um, of like one, one of my unhealthy relationships and everything. And it took me, I mean, it took me really until last year to really completely cut out of my life. People who were a drain on my time and my energy who were not reciprocating the time and the energy that I was giving to them. And, um, and I'm so grateful that I made these beautiful, wonderful, healthy, holy connections with these other people because, now I have people I have I, I know who deserves my energy and I don't know that I would have learned who deserves my energy if I didn't allow myself to reach out and connect with the with those people so if you're dealing with a lot of stress in your life right now maybe it's not manifesting in your body like mine has I you know, it's been, <laughs> it's been a, it's been a, uh, it's been a struggle and it's been a journey of learning how to listen to my own intuition without it having to go through my body to communicate with me. It's, it's been a journey. It's been a journey. It's still a journey, but I'm, you know, I, I'm better at it than I used to. But for a long time, for a very long time, really up until just last year, in uh, especially the last six months, I had to access my intuition by going through my body. And so if you're really stressed out right now, you know, like start with these things three things you know first start with your body start with your body start really tuning into it in whatever way that means for you um whatever way that means for you like start tuning into your body maybe you like to exercise or do yoga or dance you know like start doing that every day um maybe you just you know you start just 
just doing something as simple as just like feeling yourself. Maybe you sit there with your eyes closed and tune into how your body feels, you know, like do like a body scan type of thing. Um, maybe you clean up your diet. Maybe you've been wanting to clean up your diet anyway, and this is just a good excuse. Like you can access your intuition through your body. Uh, you know, like listening to our intuition, um, you know, feeling wise is I mean, it doesn't really come naturally. It's not something we're taught. So if you have a hard time with listening to your, your intuition, like I have for so many years, because I'm so up in my head all the time, go through your body, like work with your body. Um, it's going to be worth it. I promise. And, you know, the second way uh, of reducing stress, um, really look at the relationships in your life. Look at the community that you are a part of. I promise you, I promise you that there are healthy people for you to connect with that are going to lift you up, that are going to help you to learn to meet daily life with a light heart and a sense of humor. Like I know it's scary to reach out to people that are living in a way that you wish you could live too, but just do it. I promise it's, it's such a worthwhile thing. It's beautiful. It's wonderful. And the people who are meant for you are not going to judge you. They're going to be stoked that you're trying to change your life and they're going to want to help you in whatever way they can. Even if it's just being the one person that you can just sit in ceremony with or laugh at funny movies with or, or whatever, you know, it's like, they're going to be stoked to just, be able to have that connection with you. They're, they're going to be the worthwhile ones. So just reach out, even if it's scary, you know, if you're able to cut out toxic people from your life, definitely do it. It's hard. It's difficult. It brings up all of our wounds surrounding abandonment and guilt and shame that have been conditioned into us from the time that we were small children. It's going to bring up a lot of stuff. But if you have put in a bunch of work to try to um, uh, heal your friendships and heal your relationships and the other people are and the other person is just not reciprocating, then just take that as a signal that they're not emotionally available for you and they're not they don't need to be part of your community they might not even want to be part of your community and so just you know do what feels good be around people that really like lift you up and support you and 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 want to heal and grow with you those people are the best and then the third way you can reduce your stress is really just you know something so important and I think one of my favorite things that I learned from um, the uh, Instagram, the.holistic.psychologist, one of my favorite Instagrams, but something that she recommends um, for inner child healing and for building self-trust and stuff like that. But I, I, for me, I really relate it to stress reduction is keeping one promise to yourself every single day. Doing that one thing every single day and make sure it's something nourishing, something that feels really good for you. Maybe you love, maybe you love to meditate, but you feel like you don't have any time. Like tell yourself, like, I'm going to meditate for five minutes every single day. And maybe you do it when you first wake up. Maybe you do it when you're laying in bed with, or like sitting in bed and you're about to go to sleep, you know, like 
Um, maybe you do that every day. Um, maybe it's journaling you decide to do every day. Maybe you decide to do yoga every day or dance every day or go for a 15 minute walk every day or you know whatever it is just make sure that it's something very nourishing for you something that brings you back into the moment brings you back into your body back into your feelings something that's like just for you not for anybody else it's just for you that's a really really important part of stress reduction that I have learned like my write one poem a day for 30 days thing that I started off my year grief process with, which was so, I mean, keeping that promise to myself of writing one poem every single day. I, I don't say this lightly, but it almost feels like it saved my life in a way. I think that if I hadn't kept that promise to myself every day for that month, I think I may have been crushed beneath the weight of my grief. And I'm so grateful that I gave that gift to myself. And so keeping a small promise to yourself every day, it, it can keep you going when everything else seems to be going wrong. Make it small, make it deeply nourishing and make it every day. Make it non-negotiable. Make it your thing. The way you say, I love you to yourself. And I promise you, I promise you that it takes practice. It can, it can feel like it takes just absolutely forever. But if you, if you do those three things, then one day you're going to wake up and you really are going to meet daily life with a light heart and a sense of humor and one day, a huge challenge will come up in front of you. And you're just going to have this sense of, I've got this. I have the strength. I'm not going to break down. I'm going to break open. I want to end this episode with a poem. This poem is from my new poetry book. I haven't shared with anybody yet that I published, self-published a third poetry book. Part of the reason is because there's some formatting issues with it that I haven't yet resolved. So that's part of the reason I haven't told anybody about it. But the other reason is just that um, many of the poems in it, not all of them, but many of the poems in it are from those 30 days. Those first 30 days of 2019 when I was neck deep in my grief. And so it's a very deeply vulnerable poetry book but if you would like to purchase it um it's called shadows form light by rebecca pewterbaugh you can find it on lulu.com you can also find it just by going to my instagram at the wild intuitive and clicking on the link in my bio that'll take you to you know my link tree uh where there's a link to the book um they're not all sad poems uh uh, it's a bit of a journey, the book. I take you through my grief 
my process of grief becoming hope and faith and yeah so if you would like to purchase shadows farm light go ahead and check out my um my uh, my link tree link to in my um instagram bio again at the wild intuitive the poem is called i promise i promise that one day your sadness will lose its comfort and grow dull and you will crave instead the incredible and innumerable details of daily life like the dancing steam of tea the sounds and scents of morning the blue of the jay's wing and the mist giving way to the light promising the return of spring Blessed be Wild Intuitives, and thank you so much for listening to the podcast. Have you ever wanted a life coach but didn't feel like you could afford their rates? Have you ever wished there was an opportunity out there to work with a coach who approaches life from a spiritual point of view, but who also believes in shadow work and healing, and who could help you find grounded, practical ways to reduce your stress, achieve your dreams, and make every day magical? This summer, I will be offering five free coaching client spots to people who would like to be beta testers of my coaching business. I believe everyone deserves to live life as a spiritual practice, no matter what situation they're in or what background they come from. And I am dedicated to making the world a better place to live in by helping you find ways to live life in a way that supports your highest self. If you're interested in being a beta tester, email me at thewildintuitive at gmail.com or DM me on Instagram at thewildintuitive. Thank you and blessed be.